Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into Inside Carolina's live post-game podcast a little bit later than normal. These 7 o'clock games um, are great for folks on the East Coast. You can get home, eat supper, watch a game, get done, and still get to bed early. But if you're in the Midwest, like Mr. Dewey Burke is my guest, it is a, a difficult time to have a game at 5 o'clock and then 7 o'clock, which is bedtime. But Dewey, I appreciate you t- making time today. Fun game to talk about. We're going to get into It was a fun game. Really enjoyed watching the game, even if you were a casual fan and didn't care about it as much as you and I do and everyone listening. I think it probably was a great college basketball game to watch. It was physical. It was athletic. There was good shot making and uh, and the crowd seemed to be great. So uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but just an enjoyable college basketball game. Uh, I was glad to see our toughness uh, that we certainly showed in the first half and I uh, thought we played really solid in the second half, you know, I know they cut it to two, but I felt confident that we were going to continue to get good shots and, and score, and, and I think they're pretty good. So it was uh, it was an enjoyable game. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I've always had some sort of a – not affinity for Michigan, but there's been always been something about Michigan. Maybe it's the colors. Maybe it's the Jumpman stuff. Um, so it's Me always too. cool. It's Me always too. cool to see – yeah, I can't yeah. lie. Some of the some of that Jordan brand Michigan color stuff is nice, but I don't want to get in trouble with the chat, so we'll move on. Uh, but you know, and then I saw the score was seventy seven seventy one, and of course reminded me of senior year at Carolina and a relevant score there. But let's get into it a little bit, and then we'll answer some questions. There's a bunch on the message boards already out there. Um, this is a game where North Carolina, I felt. You, you know, they look good at times against Ohio State, but we've talked about how they're inconsistencies. And there was some inconsistency tonight. But from a physical aspect of it, Dewey, I, I thought this is one of the, the better games that North Carolina's played definitely all year. And they look very similar to the team that wasn't going to take any BS at the end of the year last year. 
And I thought that Hunter Dickinson tried to get in Baycott's mind when Baycott's taking care of him, you know, on the stat sheet. But I thought that was a real turning point. And to see Hubert Davis get fired up, just what are you thinking mm-hmm. as a former guy that's been in that fight, been in that arena when you're watching that? Because it gets my old blood pumping seeing it happen. Yeah. Loved it. And obviously we saw that a lot from Coach Williams, right? I mean, he, whether that was uh, demonstrably towards us in the huddle or on the bench, or obviously he was famous for his kind of, uh, you know, come on, get a stop, um, get down in a stance. Um, but he was very fiery and he would have certainly shown himself to be more reserved, uh, but not tonight. Yeah. He was very into it. Uh, my sense is he felt a little bit like probably anybody who's played this game, uh, at a high level or not, when it gets a little chippy and a little physical and you start to feel the adrenaline, he probably was over there, man, this is the kind of game that I wish I still played for. And, uh, and I thought you saw that intensity in him, um, which was great. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, Dickinson tried to, uh, tried to get in, you know, get physical with Armando. And then, uh, you know, I thought he was whatever he was trying to do to Caleb there when Caleb was on the ground and, um, you know, everybody stood their ground and I thought it lit a fire in us because we really played great from that point on. Um, and yeah, look, Armando is the best player on the floor. Uh, he imposed his will and there's not many people bigger or more physical than Hunter and he had his way with him. I mean, he's clearly the better player statistically. Uh, he's clearly the better player just watching and uh, continues to seem to feel really healthy. And when he's healthy, he finishes a lot better. And he missed a couple that he shouldn't miss. He could have had well over 30. Um, but he was terrific. And, and you know, some timely scoring from our guards. Still a couple turnovers that really, like especially Caleb, that really make me wonder what goes through his head at times. But I think he just uh, – he loses his ability to stay under control in moments. And then he has other moments where he – like that – we came off the pick and threw that beautiful bounce pass to Armando for the dunk where he's so solid uh, and obviously so athletic and, ah, man, he is something. I don't think it's going to change though. He's a junior now. So I think we have what we have. <laughs> I agree with but, that. Uh, I mean, yeah. He makes some of the passes. He, he tried that, that whip around one, one handed pass earlier in the game. It didn't work, but then when he did it, the Baycott mm-hmm. there, uh, I mean, fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about Armando and you talk about his health and I, and I agree. Um, he looked early in the early season, he, he looked a little sluggish, maybe a little heavy, maybe a little out of shape, um, but he's gotten his bounce back. And he was 11 of 15 tonight, and I swear he missed five or six bunnies. <laughs> and he still shot mm-hmm. 11 for 15 uh, for 26 points. Only five rebounds, which is surprising. No offensive rebounds, but Michigan um, credit Jawan Howard and his staff. They were not going to let Carolina kill him on the offensive glass, and they didn't. Only eight for Carolina. But how have you seen him progress? And I'm talking about Armando progress into a guy that everybody talked about. You got to shoot threes to be in the league and all that. And he tried it a few times, but he's really embraced. And especially in the last couple of games, there's been a shift of getting down on the box, getting low on the box. But even tonight, he was able to take the ball from the top of the key or from the wing and make moves that look so much freer than he has been able to do all year. Um, because you're right, he's healthy. Yeah, I think his body feels good. Certainly, at least his lower extremities, his, his feet, his ankles, his knees clearly feel good. I don't know where his shoulder is, but um, he's moving very well, which is you know, that pertains to your legs. And uh, he seems fit. 
He seems quick and uh, similar to what we talked about in the Ohio State game. I just think he has decided that I'm going to play harder than anybody else. My effort level is just going to be better. And uh, it's the way he runs the floor. It's the way he establishes position, as you're talking about, and gets low and presents himself with a big target. And, and there, there's, there's some coaching in there. And let, let me explain what I mean by that. It's a very clear shift the last, I guess, four games that we have to get the ball into Armando, right? That's been coached. They practiced it. You can see it. They're all looking for him more. Even Pete, his, his mate in the front court, is looking to get the ball into him. Okay. So that was the coaching to the team and to the perimeter players. And then you'd sure think that they pulled Armando aside and said, Mondo, we're going to force the ball into you. Our offense is much more smooth and the ball movement is better and we get more assists when you touch the ball. However, you have to do your part, which means running rim to rim, which means establishing physical uh, low post presence early in possessions. And when you get the ball around the rim, you got to finish because then you occupy eyes and double teams and it leads to way more open shots for our perimeter guys. And so I, I, I think he's healthy. I think there's some coaching in there. And, uh, and then for him, from a mental perspective, I just, like I said, in Ohio state, I think he just, he just says to himself, I'm going to play harder than everybody else. I'm going to play harder than the bigs that I'm playing against. I'm going to run harder and I'm going to be relentless. And he was relentless tonight. Yeah. I, I remember last year and I, I mentioned it a lot. I think it was against Virginia Tech up there. He slung a Luma down, and he had gotten sick of getting beat on. And you know, you got you got to play through the fouls and all that stuff. And he still throws his hands up a little bit. But at that point last year, when he did that, he was like, "I'm done," and he started he started playing really well. I almost said a word I can't say on the podcast. He's done the same thing earlier this year. You know, it, it has happened now. Just fantastic again. And I tell you what, Hunter Dickinson can play. And he can't do a thing and against big him. and strong. And, and and Baycott just absolutely owns him out there. It is fascinating to watch that matchup and how it's a dominant thing. And credit Baycott. You know, he got fired up. He didn't get out of his game. Still not sure how he got a technical in that scrum. Um, I just think from shoving the guard, it, you know, that that's my best guess for that. And, you know, uh, but I agree. I, I think of, of I think Caleb probably deserved it. Uh, and Dickinson probably deserved it. I'm not sure the Michigan guard deserved it. I'm not sure Mondo deserved it, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. It played yeah. a part though, because when he got in foul trouble and he was out from the six minute mark to three minute mark, they made that run. They cut it from either seven or nine down to two after Baker hit that three. So it was, I was thinking to myself, man, if this somehow doesn't go our way, Tommy and I are going to be talking about the fact that when Baycott got his fourth, he sat down for three and a half minutes mm -hmm. and it would have only been his third had he not got the technical. Yeah, and it hurt Michigan when Dickinson had to sit down in the first half. I mean, you got to keep those guys on the floor. You know, I understand offsetting technicals, all that kind of mess. I just don't like it when it adds a personal foul and it, and it can it's change the game. Yeah, I mean, it's just a silly rule. But I'd say there, there's two things that I don't like as a human being and as a man, really. You don't want to get hit in the face, and you don't want somebody to step over you. And Dickinson did it mm. twice. and did it to Baycott, and then he tried to step over Caleb. So somebody in the chat said they poked the bear, and I think that's that's an apt description here. Let's talk about Caleb Love a little bit, and I'm going to get to a, a question on the message board. And we got a bunch of questions, and I will go until I pass out, fellas, because it is – it's been a long day. Would hey, love this man had a long day, guys. He got up at 4 a.m. <laughs> for signing day. 
<laughs> and I texted you at some point when we were confirming and you were already at it for a number of hours. So kudos, Tom. You're, you're doing double duty today. So we uh, we recorded a three and a half hour signing day show um, live. And then we did a, another podcast after that. And then I went and covered Mac Brown and then raced home and wrote all about it. So shout out to the whole Inside Carolina team. Um, it's been fantastic, the, the work that people have done. And everybody in the chat knows that. And we appreciate the support question from hubert's dudes on the message board would love to hear dewey's comment on caleb's growth as a playmaker and we've talked about the, the mind-blowing turnovers he has but he has six and seven assists in the last few games he had only four tonight and five turnovers so not the best game to talk about the playmaking ability after um, the michigan game but just sort of hubert's gotten to him a little bit don't shoot a hundred times. Distribute the basketball. What growth have you seen from him? And I know as a fellow guard, it's hard to watch sometimes, but he's gotten better. Yes. And look, when Caleb, the good Caleb is really good, right? Good Caleb is a knockdown shooter, can make tough shots off the bounce, can finish at the rim like he did a couple times tonight. He's explosive. He's athletic. I mean, how about that dunk? I mean, he's, there, he's a freak. He, there's a freak in there. Uh, and good Caleb is also a very solid playmaker. He's gotten better off the pick and roll. He's gotten better out of our horn set that we run, um, getting into the paint, making good decisions, making good bounce passes. But then when he, when he loses that, that feel or that focus, then he has those sloppy turnovers. It's like watching a freshman. But let me make that very relevant. Seth Trimble, a couple times tonight, over-dribbled a little bit, got himself in no man's land, ultimately turned the ball over sloppily. He's a freshman. I expect him to do that. He will learn. He will grow out of that. But then Caleb does the same thing. He dribbles into no man's land and just either loses the ball, gets stripped, or tries to chuck a pass cross-court through a bunch of big guys and turns the ball over. And just you just don't expect to see that out of a junior. So – when Caleb is good, he's really, really good. He's all-American level good. Um, uh, but he still has these moments that are just – they just remain puzzling to me. Uh, so if he can continue to minimize those, uh, man, you've got one hell of a player. Um, and he didn't, he didn't make a ton of outside shots tonight or maybe just the one. Um, but he got to the rim. And after missing a couple of free throws, he made free throws late. He had the steal and the dunk. He had some good assists, the pass to Mondo. Uh, and he'll guard you, too. I mean, he's a pretty good defender as well. So um, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, good Caleb is great and, and bad Caleb is a head scratcher. Yeah, and it is. It often happens within seconds of each other. And Exactly. It, one day it will he's click. like a corner. Yeah. He's like a corner in football. I think he has no memory. <laughs> right? He gets burned for a touchdown. He's ready. He's up in press coverage, ready to go, you know, <laughs> ready to jam the receiver on the next possession. He, he like, he just, I and mean, he has an interception and a pick six. Like that's Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. And then he can forget what he did good just as fast as he can forget what he did bad. It looks like, but yeah, I, I mean, certainly a dynamic player, but this is the guy and I don't like how we, I'm going through player by player, but I think it's relevant tonight, especially with the questions. RJ Davis makes this team go. I mean, I'd like somebody to tell me why R.J. Davis is not the most important player on the team, besides Baycott, obviously. Can, can you tell me why I would be wrong thinking R.J. is the straw that stirs this drink? I mean, look, you're leading the witness a little bit here, right? I mean, to take you back <laughs> to your old days. But, uh, 
you and I in the, in the preseason pod, the last two seasons, this one and last, you asked me who's the most important player, and I said R.J. Davis. Uh, with the ball in his hands as much as it is and the decision-making relying so heavily on what he decides to do and where he gets the ball to people to be successful, he is unquestionably your most important player um, in a different way than Armando. We need Armando on the glass. We need Armando for his presence and uh, his effort and his toughness. But RJ makes us have rhythm. When he's good, um, he's he's terrific. And and we talked about this after the losing streak. They came back after that week of practice, and there was a decided difference in RJ's pace. You know, getting the ball off misses and pushing, pushing the ball to get into the defense earlier in those secondary break situations. Even though we're not running this the typical secondary break stuff that we ran under Coach Williams. His effort of speeding up the game uh, has the defense on its heels just a little bit more, and it allows them to do something that Coach was was really fond of saying, was give them a chance to make a mistake. Well, when you get them on their heels earlier and they're scrambling a little bit and maybe if they're not communicating well, they're a step slow getting around that first screen in, this, in your set or that first dribble handoff. Uh, and, and pace has a lot to do with that, and I just he has definitively been different in terms of his pace. And I think it's, it's paid huge dividends. Uh, he obviously is a gifted scorer. Um, he, he's good off the bounce uh, around the three-point line. He's got the floater, huge floater. He hit his last basket of the night off the glass, over the big. I mean, that was a very, a very high degree of difficulty with that shot. Um, I know he shot six for 15, but, man, every one of his shots felt like a big shot. Um, and he rebounds great for his size. He's tough. Um, you look, he's not as explosive as some of the other guards, his size. Um, he's, he's not as explosive as even Joel Berry was, um, certainly not as explosive as Ty. Um, but man, is he crafty? He finds a way to put the ball in the basket. He's probably the the most gifted scorer of all the guys I just mentioned. Um, even probably more gifted natural scorer than Marcus Page was. Um, and it's evidenced by his high school career, right? Um, but, man, it, he just uh, – you feel good uh, when he has the ball in his hands. He still makes careless turnovers, not as much as Caleb. He still does it. Um, but when they're when they're both good, and we've talked about it, there's no better backcourt in the country. Yeah, I love the way he rebounds the basketball. And he had six tonight, and he probably could have had seven or eight or even nine, close to ten, if a big hadn't have grabbed it before he got his hands on it. I, I mean, he just he, – he is the guy that gets in the middle, and he's the smallest guy on the court most of the time and uh he he still does it uh carolina 80 to 76 johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com sponsors this podcast i gotta get that in before i forget um you you know we must talk about leaky black he hit a big Mm -hmm. shot early he you know got a nice follow hit a big shot late (laughs) and, and and got the rebounds just i mean you know, sometimes I'm thinking, what is Leaky thinking out there? What's going through his head when I watch him play? And then he just turns up nine and ten in a big game. And then he did every one of them against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just speak to him how he continues to grow. He's five years in, um, but he continues yeah. to just do what he does. Played like a fifth-year senior, right? Solid defensively, block shot, smart play to throw the ball off the kid. Oh, um, yes. I didn't mention to- those. Yeah, great play. Get switched off, switched on to Dickinson instead of trying to fight him in the post. 
he kind of olays him, which is a smart thing to do when you're giving up size and, and weight like he was. Comes around, makes the steal, and then makes an incredibly uh, difficult little touch floater pass over Hunter, over to, uh, I think it was to RJ, to, to cement the turnover. Uh, hit a three early. Uh, hit a gigantic little floater in the lane there late. His last basket had a good uh, – they were they were running a little three-quarter court press. We broke the press. The ball swung back to him. He ripped through, went right to the rim and finished. Um, look, we, we all, I think, probably agree to live without the mid-range jumpers. You know, it doesn't feel like he's made hardly any of them, um, and I wish he wouldn't take them, to be very straight about it. Um, but the catch-and-shoot threes, his percentage is up. Uh, I love him around the rim. He had the tip dunk. Uh, he did so many things tonight to contribute to that win. In addition to guarding their best player, who's good. I mean, that, as you heard Billis say, probably an NBA player. Uh, so he's had to deal with that two games in a row, Sensabaugh first and then and then Jet, the young kid. So um, he just does so many things for you. You don't have to call anything for him. He plays like a fifth-year senior that is your glue guy. and And that's how I think about him. Yeah, I mean the play where he blocked, blocked, ran down the block, the guy in the air, caught it, threw it off of him, and then the play on Dickinson. Those are probably two. You know, they win the game for you. Those type plays, huge, huge turnovers. Yeah, yeah, and, and so Leaky does Leaky things. A lot of questions about Pete Nance, and um, I, I tweeted that he needed to get involved tonight. He was a little step slow early, but he made a play um, later. How does Carolina maximize what Pete Nance brings? I don't think they're doing it yet, but I also think that Pete Nance, um, quite frankly, disappears at times. So, so how mm-hmm. do you blend that in um, to make this team better consistently? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, and I don't know that I have the answer because I think they're still figuring out how to play together. Uh, he wasn't effective scoring the ball tonight, and he missed a couple threes that had he made them would have been huge momentum-shifting shots. Uh, but he did have the big and one, uh, which was a, a beautiful play. Uh, I thought he rebounded the ball well. Overall, was solid as a part of our core defense. He just didn't score the ball or really have that many opportunities. He had the early post up in the first half where he tried his fadeaway over his right shoulder and it got blocked. Um, you know, I think the question for me is going to be against the, the top-tier teams that have, you know, big-time size and athleticism, which Michigan does. I think that presents a challenge for him because he's a below the rim player. He's not explosive and he really scores at least what he's shown us this year. When he has good scoring games, it's, it's kind of a crafty scoring, Um, you know, jump hooks and uh, turnaround jumpers. And, you know, and then he he obviously has had games where he's hit some threes. Um, The ball just didn't find him that much tonight in, in my opinion. Um, and so I don't know if that means we need to call more sets for him. I'm not necessarily sure that that's the answer because I think he really is our fourth option uh, yeah. from a scoring perspective. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's nice to know that uh, he's capable of putting up 25, you know, and, and obviously averaged what he averaged last year. Um, but I don't think the key is that we always need him to score. We don't always need him to score. I think we need him to always be a presence – to make sure the offense is running and that he's helpful on the glass. Um, but when other guys are having bad nights and we do get him more looks, yeah, then we expect them to score. But I don't know if you agree, but I, I, he's our fourth option. So I, it doesn't, 
it doesn't throw me that much. It's, it's just people are so in love with what Brady did, so they instantly say that Nance has to do what Brady did, and they're, it's just not going to be that, and they're different guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, folks need to shelve that comparison. Um, you know, that needs to be a New Year's resolution. We're not going to say... Pete Nance and Brady Manick in the same voice. Uh, somebody asked on the chat about the need for the fourth option behind Davis Love and Baycott, and I, it's got to be Nance. I agree with you there. When when you've got those three putting up, you know, 18, 19, 20 plus a night, and they're doing that consistently, then he doesn't need it. He just needs to go get some rebounds, hit a timely shot. Um, the play he had where he had the and one left-handed, I mean, it's like, where did that come from? I mean, he is the most athletic play we've seen him make. (laughs) Right. And and I think that is what people see and say, do it every time or do it all the time. And uh, Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys that he wows you. I think he's going to be very, very important moving forward for North Carolina. Um, He brings that experience. We talk about Leakey's fifth year. It's his fifth year. He's played against those Michigan guys, you know, repeatedly Mm -hmm. and all. And so he brings that that thing somebody says does it need to be tyler nickel to be that fourth guy no it it needs to be pete nance with the rest Mm -hmm. of the guys spot minutes hubert's going to rely on his starters the most and then he's going to play the matchups i think more so than maybe has been done in the past um let me ask you a question though speaking of the bench and all doing this is a good question this is from cw hill 2357 2357 on the tarpit excuse me unc basketball message board is the starting lineup Carolina's best lineup, in your opinion? I guess the only other option would be Puff for Nance, or some people were talking about Caleb needs to be a bench guy. I mean, you can't do that. Oh, God. Get out of, get out of here with that. Um, I think it is. It, it is, but, you know, the stretches when – when Trimble comes in and elevates our ball pressure and uh, gives us a different look from, uh, from the perimeter. He's obviously a lot smaller than leaky, but uh, more explosive. He doesn't give you a lot offensively, but uh, he has shown a knack for, you know, a a nice little pocket pass on a pick and roll, but defensively he was awesome tonight. I mean, he's going to hound you. And, and that's a difference when he comes in the game, Puff gives you something different. Obviously he creates chaos. We've talked about that. Um, hit a big three in the first half, which was a nice catch and shoot. Um, and so do I think our starting five is the best five and who you're going to see us close games with? I do. Um, unless you're playing against a team that's really small and really perimeter oriented, you know, then you can see 
Puff being in there for Nance uh, or Trimble being in there and Leaky sliding to the four. Um, but the thing is, is it, it the offense runs differently without Pete, right? Because we run so much of that two high bigs um, and so many actions out of that with back screens and down screens and getting Caleb off dribble handoffs and pick and roll action and, and you know, amongst – the guys that can play the four, Leaky Puff and Pete, if you're running a pick-and-roll action away from them with Mondo and Mondo rolls and your other big pops to the top of the key for a potential catch-and-shoot three, we would pick Pete to shoot that shot amongst those three. And so um, long-winded. And so I think the rotation of that top seven is clear. Um Tyler Nickel, I think, will certainly get to play in certain situations if we're struggling to score or we need to look from the perimeter. Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's going to be those five. Yep, absolutely. Uh, double gambler. And I appreciate you doing this, Dewey. It's always fun to hear. Yeah. Um, answer, you know, a lot of people ask a lot of questions. What better way to get a good answer than from a former guy that's been around? And shout out to the 400 people in here, 390 people in here at 1030 awesome. on the East Coast. Uh while you're at it, folks, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel and also like this video. Like them all. And uh, for Dewey from Double Gambler, can Dewey talk about how Roy's offense facilitated playing two big men? And does that make sense given we have both Pete and Mondo? Should Hubert run some Roy sets? I like Pete, but not sure of him playing. Not sure if him playing as a stretch four gets the best out of his skill set. Similar discussion that we just had, but. With, with that yeah. caveat. And I don't think he's totally playing a stretch four. I mean, I, I think he's playing, he's playing, um, he's more of a hybrid. A little more right? perimeter. Yeah, more hybrid. He's a little more, he's not Brady from a perimeter, perimeter oriented big perspective. He's not Mondo banging on the block every possession. He's, he's a little bit of a hybrid. Um, and so the, the question was, should we run some of Coach Williams stuff? So the, the secondary break stuff that we ran and all the options off of it um, had a lot of high-low rotations amongst the bigs. You have to practice that. I mean, you, we would put that stuff in first week of practice and then build on it and build options and, and counters once we got scouted and had video out. And so it, you're not going to be able to go and install all this secondary stuff that was built for the traditional two bigs. Um, Hubert runs some versions of coaches box stuff. Um, he just doesn't do it, uh, below the foul line. They kind of, they, they bump it up, uh, past foul line extended and, and kind of angle it so that, um, so that they're creating more, um, more, <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, it's got you <clears throat> now. More driving lanes <laughs> and, and more space there. Hey, I've been there. <clears throat> of course, I have them more live. <clears throat> um, and so I think that would be tough to do from the secondary perspective. <clears throat> Some of the box stuff we do run. And <clears throat> I'm struggling, Tommy. You got to go. <laughs> Sorry. I'll mute you. Call for that. So looking at the box score, folks, while do we get some order? I have been there with those coughs, and I did it earlier today. I'll just mask it a little more. Seth Trimble, um, one point on 2,018 minutes of action. Puff Johnson, 21 minutes of action. 
to what Dewey was talking about in, in the lineup wise, I, I think the, the five of Nance, Baycott, Davis, Love, and Black are set, period. I think the difference is you good? I think the difference is is Puff Johnson and Seth Trimble offer those uh, those alternatives that, that Dewey was talking about there. But as far as the anything close to the Iron Five is going to be those guys. All right, I, I've unmuted you. You're back in here talking about the box set sort of bumped <clears throat> up above the foul line. Yeah, so they run more of that action above the foul line extended. He loves to <clears throat> to pull both bigs up uh, to those high post, even above high post areas, enter the ball, run dribble handoffs off of there. And so all of that stuff is more Hubert's system. And, and it's different than Coach Williams. And so, um, you know, some of the, the, the individualized plays that we've run for Pete to get him a look in the mid post, uh, I would imagine we'll continue to see. Um, I think we know what the staff thinks of, of him, uh, evidenced by the last play in regulation against Ohio State, right? I mean, say no more. They obviously think very highly of his ability uh, and that's the kind of crafty shot that I was referring to earlier uh, where he made that catch. And I'm back. My AirPods died. I had a cough attack. <laughs> like I've been working since 4 a.m. Come on, I'm man. It's just it. 8 o'clock out there. It's just 8.30. Cool. It's just getting started. What I was saying was, uh, you know how staff feels about, about Pete uh, because they called that set for him. That in and of itself uh, was, to me, almost a typical Pete, non- Pete Nance shot, right? He caught it. Um, and, and turned over his left shoulder and hit a fadeaway. Those are the kind of shots he's capable of hitting. I just don't think the ball found him tonight. Simple as that. And, and so uh, do I think we could see more of, of the, the type of offense that Coach Williams ran? I don't. And that's just because I understand the intricacy of the secondary break. And if you haven't been practicing it, you know, for us back in my day since October, but these guys start practicing in August. If you haven't been practicing it, it's not like you just all of a sudden say, hey, let's run some secondary break stuff. Um it just doesn't work that way. So uh, will they introduce wrinkles and try to find underway, other ways to, to have PP successful? I would think so. But but again, he's our fourth scorer. And so we, we want a lot out of him. We were excited with the, the transfer news that he was coming. Um, but he's our fourth scorer. And so I think he'll he'll have some good games for sure. And we will rely on him. And he's he's a smart player. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to change much of how we play. Yeah, and that looking at the YouTube chat, and I starred several questions. A lot of them. Gregory Hall is in here. Gregory G. Hall. He is a uh, he, he's a, it's earlier for him than it is for you. He's out there on the West Coast, so he's a uh, stay up late with us. Gregory, appreciate you joining. He asked about Pete Nance. Another question, Jake UNC asked about Pete Nance. Um, so we've covered that. Prez guy asks, Dewey, is there anything different on offense that's happened these last four games, or is it just the guys moving the ball and gelling more? Have you seen anything structurally different um, in this little winning streak that you saw maybe when they were struggling? Yeah, I think we covered it, I, and, but I'm, I'm happy to highlight it again. I think it's two things. I think it's Armando's commitment to running rim to rim and getting deep physical post position, and I think it's RJ's pace. Uh, when we play with pace and we have a big that's running, everything opens up. It just changes how our offense flows. Uh, when we were struggling early in the season – and struggled against Iowa State and struggled at Indiana. We didn't struggle to score against uh, against Alabama. We just couldn't stop them. You know, we lost a crazy game. Okay. But against Iowa State and against Indiana, we struggled to score. And we talked after at least one of those games. I think it was the Indiana game. 
God, everything is so hard. Every possession is like a grinded out. Can we find a good look? Or do we end up with Caleb taking an off balance three off the bounce over a, over a hand? Um, and those types of possessions have, uh, have been much fewer and far between the last four games. And so to answer the poster's question, I truly believe it is very seriously those two things. Armando's commitment and, uh, and RJ's commitment. And because of that, the floor is more open. The ball moves better. The ball goes inside and then comes back out. The ball goes inside and we score. The ball goes inside and we get fouls. Um, it's just uh, it's just been a different flow. Uh, but to me, the catalyst has been Armando's effort and RJ pushing the pace. Yeah, and Armando getting to the rim and getting set early it certainly made a difference. A couple more questions here before we get out of here. Uh, 10.30 on the East Coast. 400 people still in here. A uh, couple questions. I'm going to blend them together. Preston from Greensboro, who was in the chat earlier today, and George Jenkins, I believe, was too. Uh, blend the question. Can you talk about this? What, they play again on the 30th, so they've got nine days. Of course, a day of that or two will be Christmas. How does – and Hubert may be different, but I doubt it. How, how is Christmas handled for the guys when you have mm-hmm. this break? And then how much, um, how much benefit is being able to have – four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days of practice between games at this point in the season. Yeah. So, you know, this is a nice mental break for the guys uh, to get home and, uh, and get a couple days of rest. Uh, I'm sure that he'll encourage them to get in their high school gym at least once or twice. Um, but I'm sure they're all, a lot of them probably tried to go home tonight or, uh, or first thing tomorrow morning. Um, so you have a couple days to, to relax and, decompress. I imagine they'll be back on the 26th. That's what we always did uh, as we, everybody flew back on the 26th and you had practice that night. Um, so that probably is the same. Maybe they get an extra day because they don't, you said they don't play till the 31st. Um, I think it's, a, I think they play the 30th. Yeah. They play Pittsburgh 30th. the 30th. My bad. Okay. So Friday night actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so they're not going to have six, seven, eight practices. You know, they are probably going to have, um, 26, 27, 28, 20, either three or four. Um, so they're going to get some time off now. And, uh, the mental break I think is useful. The, the physical part of it, just getting your legs and, and feeling healthy. Then you get back and, and have a couple good practices and be ready to go. I feel like my, when I played, we might sometimes had games like on the 27th or the 28th. And so you were right back in it. And so they have a little bit of a break which is probably warranted given the schedule that we had early and the travel and everything. So uh, this is a nice break and uh, man, we feel a lot better than we did a couple of weeks ago coming off of two wins against, you know, what would seem to be definite tournament teams, uh, Michigan and Ohio state, if they stay healthy um, and obviously getting an ACC win too. So we feel a lot better. Um, you know, that Ohio state game felt like we had to have it. Tonight didn't feel like we had to have it, but it felt like we earned it. And, and like we talked at the top, it was a fun game to watch and entertaining. And I thought our kids rose to the challenge and played hard, made timely shots. It was uh, it's a nice feeling to go into Christmas playing the way we've played the last couple of nights. Indeed, from five and four to nine and four, heading into Christmas break with Pittsburgh coming up on the 30th. So Friday night. Uh, a chance to get to 10 and four going into the new year. I think they got Wake Forest on the fourth and Wake Forest beat Duke, um, which was an interesting game. I, I posted about it 
I didn't recognize any of those players. I mean, the ACC's changed so much. Somebody asked, are there any other ACC teams that are going to play as physical as Michigan and Ohio State did? And I, I have no idea uh, because I don't know who's on the rosters anymore, barely. You know, yeah. so until you get to you sit down and watch them. But Dewey Burke, um, you, you're the man for joining us. I, I know it's a, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you enjoy answering the posters and the readers and the watchers' questions. And uh, shout out to the 412 out of here. Dewey, Merry Christmas, my friend, to your family. Merry Christmas. Likewise. Thank you. Sorry about my uh, my coughing attack that my headphones died. It's like this is my first rodeo. We've only been doing this for like seven years. <laughs> live, live TV, man. Yeah. Who knows what will happen? Yeah. So, no, Merry Christmas. We appreciate everybody listening, and, and I really do enjoy this. And uh, I'll give you something, Tommy. This is pretty cool. Um, obviously, doing this has, has given me a chance to – stay close to the program and, and have some involvement um, and, and stay relevant, I guess you could say. Uh, but it is truly amazing wherever I go, uh, just about whether it's at a Carolina game or on campus or even in New York City or L.A. or wherever, invariably I run into somebody that comes up and says, hey, I love your podcast. Um, so that's a, that's a huge compliment uh, to both of us that uh, there really are an unbelievable amount of people that listen. So uh do appreciate that very very much uh and then last thing i have a great story for you uh it's a short story but it's a great story so um my wife's cousin who we are very very close with um he's a freshman lacrosse player at villanova uh he's a stud he was an all-american in high school and he's a freshman and he just tore his acl very unfortunate um the memphis grizzlies were in Denver the last couple of days. And so I had a chance to see Danny and we had lunch yesterday before the game, Grizzlies Nuggets. And I just happened to tell him, you know, yeah, it's a bummer, my cousin, da, 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 I told him about it. Unprovoked, Danny sent me a video today for my cousin, just talking to him about staying positive, staying up, keeping his head, that he's been there, he's going through it right now. And uh, the first month is going to be really challenging and you get your surgery, but attack your rehab, be a beast about it, get your sleep. Just the quality of that guy and what the Carolina family does sometimes. I mean, it, man, like brought a tear to my wife's eye. And so sent it over to him and I just said, Hey, you're in good company to my cousin, Colin and, um, or my wife's cousin, Colin. And that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. So I thought I thought you'd appreciate that. I thought uh, the people on the message board would, would appreciate that. That's the kind of guy that we have inside this family. Yeah, Carolina family is real, folks. Dewey Burke's one of them. Last thing before I get out of here, I asked people on our chat this morning, Dewey, um, post it in chat where you're from. And a guy posts, and he's in north of Milan, Italy. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's crazy. No, you're not, you know, prove it or whatever. He said, I'm on a military base. I serve over here. Wow. And how cool is that? That a guy serving in the military on the other side of the world is paying attention to the inside Carolina's podcast and us and all that stuff. So all credit to you on this one. All credit to everybody else on the other one. I just host them and just drive. It's, it's always fun, man. You've been great again. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll talk soon. Got plenty more basketball games to go. Merry Christmas.
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.